We're teaching Benedict Cumberbatch how to play the banjo for Dame Jane Campion's Netflix film The Power of the Dog has been one of the most intriguing recent gigs for banjo player David Ward. He's also one of the three multi-instrumentalists who've been performing their show Wheel of Experience for a decade now around the country. He, Peter Dorbay and Dave Kahn present a series of ballads about characters from Aotearoa's early settler history. They've just confirmed that they can go ahead with five planned shows in Hawke's Bay as part of the small hall concert series under the red light traffic light uh, restrictions. I spoke to David and to lead singer Peter Dorbay about their unflagging fascination with the legends they sing about. First though, I had some questions for David about tutoring Benedict Cumberbatch on the intricacies of playing the banjo. Yeah, that was a great opportunity to work with um Jane and and uh, to meet Benedict and Kirsten and yeah just be involved in that project. So what was your involvement? Did you come up with the music and do the teaching? Well my my involvement grew. I was originally just a banjo advisor and helped them uh, purchase an antique banjo and then slowly I uh, they needed help with arranging some banjo pieces and then they heard me play banjo and they said oh my goodness can you please uh, do more? So they said can you can you teach Benedict to do it and then uh and then can you be on set and then you can you uh be a hand double and so uh yeah it was great to have lots of hats in that production i'm pretty sure benedict won't be listening so you can tell me was he a natural he did really well i think he was a, he he is a perfectionist and he was disappointed he had aspirations to become a good banjo player in time for the movie um and i think he was a bit disappointed that he he did really well to look like he was playing it and mostly play some of the pieces that that I wrote. But uh, uh, yeah, I think he he's such a perfectionist that he was a little bit, uh, it took him took him out of the performance a little bit in those moments because <laughs> yeah, he, he just wasn't quite there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> impossible, right? Oh, it's, it's impossible, yeah. He may not have been technically perfect, but he was still pretty menacing with, with the band show, I'd have to say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Peter, while David concentrates on the banjo and the guitar, my goodness, your list of, of um, instruments is really impressive. What's, I mean, a cigar box slide, what does it look like and That's, what does it sound like? It's basically a cigar cigar box with a neck and four strings and it's uh, usually use, use a steel or a glass slide on it and it's amplified. So, yeah, it's just basically played like a lap steel. It's just a guitar that sits on your lap and um, you fret it with the slide and um, pick it with your finger, your right hand fingers well, the other way around if you're left-handed yeah <laughs> yeah but the, I guess the cigar box just has a little bit more of a kind of a, a rootsy or kind of um down home kind of sound yeah, it's got quite a fierce sound eh? it's quite, yeah. It's quite, yeah it's got quite grungy but also yeah it just gives that um certain twisted flavour that really works for some of the songs. I see you've got a banjolin um, as well. So how does what, how does a banjolin differ from a banjo? Um, it's a mandolin with uh, a, a skin on it, just like a banjo skin, but mandolin, eight strings. But 
<laughs> four notes, which are um, doubled up like a mandolin. How did the three of you meet? Well, actually, Dave moved in next door and I had a bottle of whiskey and I saw he had some banjos. So I took a bottle of whiskey over and we, um, <laughs> we got to know each other over a bottle of whiskey and uh, played, decided to play some music. And then David um, got in touch with me saying he was doing this show and would I be interested in uh, being involved somehow. And yeah, we got some funding from Creative New Zealand and he'd written me down <laughs> as collaborator and musical direction. <laughs> so we realised we could actually write together quite well and uh, we um, get along really well. So it's been quite a natural thing. It's quite close to Music Hall and it really works because it's got song, it's got um, a bit of stand-up and it's, um, I generally speak and introduce songs, but I also talk a bit of history throughout the piece and um, it's quite an emotional journey we take the audience on and uh, there's plenty of laughter but there's also some kind of shocking elements as well there's no holds barred on some songs you know we've got a real um, range you've got a real range of characters there too haven't you i mean from you know from the burgess gang through to a murder victim joe kum young i mean that's it's a huge range i mean over the years have you have you added any stories are you always looking for new potential stories well kum young came uh, 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 it's actually one of our longest songs isn't it Mm. yeah it's it's quite operatic it starts off with um Lionel Terry's words now Lionel Terry was the guy that um murdered Kum Jung who um came down through New Zealand from Auckland going into halls local halls and uh promoting his uh racist literature and his views and um he tried to build some support which he did I recently read some reviews of his tour and uh, they were quite telling and that people weren't um, against really what he was saying. They thought he was quite an angry man, but, um, um, and Kum Jung comes from a completely other direction. Obviously he was, um, came to New Zealand in the 1860s to join the gold rush and paid a poll poll tax and uh, was unable to, fulfill those obligations because he was hurt quite badly on the goldfields. So he actually came up to Wellington and um, lived in Haining Street. And um, it's about completely two different directions and where they meet. Although the bulk of the story is about Kum Jung's emotional journey. Zambis burn from red to cold I dream the sense of sheltered souls and bodies warm the heart that heats the coals quiet heart with head bent low work to the pith to pay the dead I sow in fields of dust to square the tax I owe Shadow gathers ground Rising from the creases of this town From dust to common ground Lies Joel Kung Young, the shadow shot him down
that was the definitely the the song that we took the longest to write i think too because it was quite hard to and when we actually managed to feel like we were in in the skin of joe kim yong and telling his story and juxtaposing the you know like the the struggle of that with this intense figure of lionel terry it just it felt yeah it felt right but we it didn't feel so easy it wasn't an easy story to tell for a long time no. until we found that. David, you tell lots of character stories. What, what's what's another of the characters in Wheel of Experience? Maybe one of the songs that you most look forward to singing for whatever reason. I think probably the the, the most enjoyable one that we always, uh, yeah, we definitely look forward to is a song about uh, a man called Francesco Rodriguez Figueira, um, who was known since as Don Buck. And he was a, a flamboyant character that um, he had his own sort of personal fiefdom out in West Auckland. Um, and he, with the blessing of the authorities, when the criminals used to get out of out of the local jail, they'd sent, put them on the train and send them out to West Auckland. And he, he'd sort of put them to work <laughs> digging gum for him. And so there's all these wonderful, wonderful stories about this uh, <laughs> this uh, slightly dodgy settlement out in West Auckland, and once once again you know, there was there was lovely source material about Don Buck, but we really just <laughs> pushed that with our imaginations, and it's just such a such a fun uh, song that we sort of perform with such relish. This outrageous character that we've made even more outrageous in the telling. So all we really needed to know was that he he rides a black stallion. He had calf length boots and um and a long frock coat and had a gun and a knife big mustache and he apparently he had a medallion so i always imagine he was like on his horse in an open cart train heading out west you know but historically yeah, I've, I've seen some of the stuff he, he was pretty mean he used to um hire out shovels to people that came to work <laughs> half their wages would be gone on the hireage of the shovel they had to use to dig the gum from he was he was really hard he so he was found recently. Um, uh, he was buried in an unmarked grave. They didn't know where he was. And then a woman, I'm not sure what her name is, but she found him his grave in Waikumete Cemetery. And uh, now there is a plaque for him. That's right. We one day when we were rehearsing the show, you 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 said, "I found it." Yeah. Well, let's Joe, go. Let's go on a let's go on a Joe pilgrimage. Found, yeah. So we 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 stopped yeah. our rehearsing and went and found it and uh, yeah. sang a verse. <laughs> Sing a verse to him. I don't know know if he appreciated it or not. Stride his black stallion, his closest companion. Dark was his face and his moustache waxed to perfection. A calf-length coat as black as his horse. Boots to his knees, his chapeau atop him. A pistol slung round his neck, but no need to lose it. Don was quick with a knife, but just pray he don't use it. These were the good days, the days of Don Buck. Ah, stride his black stallion, a shining medallion. Can there be such a star that shines for an outlaw? May his sun never set in the west, this titan of man, may he ride on and on, on. I don't care who you've killed, 
I don't care what you've done. David, I mean, this is a show, as I mentioned before, that you've known and loved and performed for around about 10 years now, and you had a big um, nationwide tour relatively recently too. But, of course, these times are different, and before this interview, you and I were exchanging rapid-fire emails going, is it going to happen? Not sure. You know, it, it's such un- uncertain yeah. times. It is going to happen. The small hall sessions will happen in the Hawke's Bay, but it really was by a whisker. It's it's incredibly tough times for you guys at the moment, but I know all three of you really wanted it to happen. It's just the logistics, I, I guess, and, and how people feel about about going out. Yeah, yeah. it's a really uh, it's a tough thing as performers to not perform. There's been so many, uh, you know, uh, totally fair enough restrictions on being able to perform over the past couple of years. But it is really this last kind of stint. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't actually performed to an audience in about five months, which is kind of a strange. I've never haven't done, you know, in the past uh, in my adult life. You know, I've never sort of gone that long without sort of performing, and uh, so it's 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 a tough thing. And so when the re- recent uh, announcement of uh, Omicron being in the community came out, you know, I just really, yeah, I felt felt an immediate kind of a <laughs> tightness in my chest and go, oh, here we go again. Um, and so, yeah, we were we were tossing up whether and seriously considering whether we could make it viable and make it safe. And and yeah, and so Jamie McPhail, the promoter, who does the small hall sessions, he's uh, done some research and, and was like, look, let's do this. We can do it safely within the within the rules and. At this time, you know, like people, people need performance, and performers need to perform, and it's uh, and uh, so, yeah. So we're really we're getting uh, it's good to get our heads back into into performance mode, and and really looking forward to doing it. 